This is a WKYT podcast. Hello, everyone, to another episode of Conversations with Victor and Wes. Uh, Andrea is off today. She's out on a story. If you're listening to this on Thursday, the day it's coming out, then you'll know that the weather's played a little bit of havoc with everyone. We've had a, a lot of stuff going on, so everybody's been out covering different stuff. And Andrea had to go out and, um, I think, cover a, a dedication of a road. Um, so, yeah, so uh, with Sturgill Simpson. So it's not too bad of a day. She gets to go out and um, see him. So I am today talking to Wesley Brown, a local business owner, lawyer, and author. He He's written a book kind of a, a, based on what he knows. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's called Hillbilly Hustle. And I just finished a really good conversation with him. lasted about half an hour, so I'm going to keep this short. Um, so here you go. Um, all about uh, a Kentucky author and his first published book. You'll hear that, uh, obviously, anybody who, who's, who's writing writes a lot. So this isn't the first thing he's written, but it is the first thing it's going to be published and a lot of uh, neat events going on around that. Here you go. All right, I'm here with Wesley Brown. Good morning. How's it going? It's going great. Quite glad the to... treacherous drive in. Yes, I am very glad to be here this morning. It was touch and go there for a minute. So um, you've written a book. We're here to talk about that. But I already knew you from um, covering court all over eastern Kentucky. I've mm-hmm. seen you. I've seen your wife. Um, I've also, I also I went to EKU. So I've eaten a lot of Apollo pizza. I like it. <laughs> so so you have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. Tell me about all the different things you're involved with. So my day job is as an attorney at Brown Law Office in Richmond. I also practice in Fayette County. I also practice in every surrounding county, Rock Castle, Estill, Clark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My wife actually runs the public defender's office for Madison, Clark, and Jackson. And so she's all over the place, too. So if you cover the courtroom beat at all, the Brown family are sort of familiar faces at the at the uh, courthouses. And, and court in East, Eastern Kentucky is definitely a special experience. It's amazing. If you've never been, it's, yeah, it's, you know, you, you people know that they're going to court. And they, they still, you'll just see people, like, showing up in, like, cut-off shirts or, like, still they still got their ball cap on. They don't understand why they got to take it off. I mean, it's just... The, the things I've seen, um, I saw I saw a guy whose brother showed up at his jury trial with a T-shirt. This was actually in Jackson County, and he sat front row, and it said, support your local outlaw. I was like, that's what you wore to court. There was a day, we, we've gone through different stretches, too. We do the over-under in the, in the uh, attorney lounge and back before docket started. We do the over-under on Stone Cold shirts back in the there day. There you go. Well, I was going to say Dale Earnhardt. That was a big one there for a while. It's like, I got to wear my good shirt. My. Earnhardt was big. Duck Dynasty at one time, too. Right. We do the over-under on how many Duck Dynasty defendants we had in a given day. But my, my, one of my other favorite things is the women with the uh, snuff ring in their back pocket who stand at the bench with their snuff ring. You see it a lot on the guys. A little more rare breed when you see it with wow, the ladies, but you nice. see it. Well, especially from us, from shooting, you know, everybody from the back there are multiple times when I've had people walk up and you see just like juicy written across the back mm-hmm. of, the, of the pants. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, that's, that's going to be interesting on camera. Uh, so, so, some, sometimes you find out who's among the attorneys. You won't know someone's losing their hair, and then you'll watch the news, <laughs> and you guys will get a shot. You go, oh, I didn't know he was losing his hair or whatever it is that's going on with him. I've had people tell me that before. Yeah, they're like, could you be a little kinder with the, uh, the zoom ins there? Uh, I, I, I watched myself on TV not long ago. I was like, man, I have got to lose some weight. <laughs> I had no idea how fat I got until I saw myself on TV. Well, you do look uh, – whenever I go out and people – Occasionally, will recognize me, and they always tell me I look bigger on TV, and the, and so then 
and I wonder like, well, I'm, I'm not a small guy, so I'm curious how, how big I look on TV. So, um, yeah, the neck, your neck always looks bigger. Oh gosh. It's, 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 it's a hard reality to face to see yourself on TV. So you all, so, so you've got your, your law practice, then you also have Apollo pizza, uh, so, multiple locations that now I, I actually ate at the one over on, um, uh, Leastown Road is that Leastown, the, the new one in the Meadowthorpe Center. That's that's the newest one. We we took over in 2012. Apollo has been around since 1981, right down near campus on South Second mm-hmm. Street in Richmond. And then we went into Northern Madison County. It's called Apollo Pizza at Little Sack. It's Care Out and Dine and Only. We actually have a place in Irvine called Steam Engine Pizza Pub. Okay. And Steam Engine Pizza Pub also has the Steam Engine Session Room, which is a little music venue, and there's there's a lot to that, and it's a long story, and I won't go into it all. And then we went into Berea with um, Apollo Pizza at Old Town, and then recently we opened at Meadowthorpe. And then we have an offshoot brand called House of Q, which is a barbecue place. Um, it's, at, it's at Kentucky Proud Park. It's at Kroger Field. And it's coming soon to Lexington on a standalone shop. I, there's, I can't share all the details, but it originated in Irvin. Okay. And so we, right now we smoke all our meat in Irvin. But, yeah, we have a barbecue restaurant. Now, I always want to clarify, I am a full-time lawyer. People run those things. I, yeah. I, I help oversee all that stuff, and it's a big team. So I that that that's how I pay my bills. So I always want to make sure people know I am still a full-time lawyer. These <laughs> These are... These are sort of side hustles that we do, and uh, and uh, makes life interesting. That's for sure. Did Did you grow up? Uh, are you originally from Richmond, or are you were you? I'm not. I actually grew up in a suburb of Detroit, about oh, wow. 15 miles north of Ann Arbor. I moved to Kentucky to go to UK law. My wife, who's from Lawrence County, was in all my classes at UK law my first year, and I early on. She said, I just want to let you know, Michigan's a problem for me. I'm not leaving. And I said, that's fine with me because I want to stay. And so I've been here. I've lived more of my life in Kentucky yeah. now than I did there. Uh, that's that's a, I, I figured that was about a year or two ago I realized that was the case. But I've been a Kentuckian for quite some time. So now. you come down. I'm guessing uh, Lexington, you know, decent-sized city. So that's not that um, odd for you. But then you start going out into the smaller counties. What was that adjustment like? It was interesting. I I had a I had some. So when I went to practice law, especially, it, it was different. But I did have some idea of it because my wife was from a rural county, and I spent a lot of time in rural counties. I loved it, kind of from the start. I, there's a reason I picked Kentucky. We mm-hmm. came to Kentucky a lot when I was young, and uh, I celebrated birthdays in Kentucky. I remember one of my birthdays was celebrated at the Horse Park, and there. Coming here was not a coincidence. It was a state I really always really liked. But I do. my first job out of law school was I was an assistant county attorney in Madison County, and they assigned me to Berea. So I went one county south mm-hmm. to Richmond, and then I went another city south to the Berea. Smaller. And it's funny because I actually, this is referenced in Hillbilly Hustle, the book, how a small distance in Kentucky culturally can be very big. Mm-hmm. It was eye opening to do court in Berea because it was it was a it was sort of a different world. And I was in the thick of disputes in 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 Berea. And a lot of people who did get in trouble in Berea were from Jackson County or Rockcastle County as well. The Berea Because they were coming to the big city. Oh yeah. Well I don't mean to impugn any particular county, it's across the board, but 
people love to shoplift from the Berea Walmart. <laughs> I prosecuted so many Berea Walmart theft cases, you wouldn't believe it. The other things were disputes about animals, fights about dogs and livestock and things like that. Another one that was constant was like too much window tint. I remember we the old courthouse, the judge would have people pull their car up because you could see into the parking lot. He would look at it. And he would look to see if they took their window tint off their cars, and, and, and they would. And just my, one of my favorite things, there was a judge there named Judge Moore back in the day, and people would get traffic issues, and he would always find them guilty of uh, improper equipment. And he would always say, and you're the improper equipment. <laughs> I, it's, it's, we could spend this whole thing on on, on the court system. I which, swear. No, I I, I I believe it. I mean, I, so I grew up in Clay City. Ah, okay. Not too far from yeah. from Irvin, and and then uh, and it is interesting whenever I tell people like, oh, I grew up about forty five minutes east of Lexington, but there is a huge difference between Lexington and forty five minutes east of Lexington. It, it it's really actually pretty cool. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's one of the interesting things people who are from outside the state don't realize just because we have so many uh, counties that people growing up here identify more with the county than they do with the city. If you, you know, talk to some, it was one of the things that, you know, when I first started EKU, people would talk, you could tell who was from Kentucky and who wasn't because, you know, they say where you're from and somebody, you know, say like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm from, you know, a town in Ohio, just be like, oh, I'm from Cleveland. And then somebody else would be like, oh, I'm from Powell County. I'm, I'm from Estill County. I'm, you know. I'm from, and so they, you could tell who was. I remember, I remember that when I moved here, that finding things like that just kind of interesting. My assimilation was sped up a lot by falling in with a with a native Kentuckian and a, that family. <laughs> I mean, I fell in with her family really pretty quickly, and they would explain stuff to me. And you know, it's funny. I actually talked to an, another person who 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 does writing and art about Kentucky. And it was, it's actually someone who's native to Kentucky, but who moved away for a long time. And he said some of the things he does now, he couldn't have written if he stayed because he sees the, the, the place in a different way. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, I also understand that people who've led their whole life here who are making art are seeing things in a different way, too, that we couldn't see. But one of the ways you get sort of the different facets of Kentucky in art is to get different perspectives and while I don't like when people drop in for a couple of weeks and write about Kentucky, I felt pretty comfortable doing it given the fact that I have been here a very, very long time and this has been home. My kids are native Kentuckians, my wife's a native Kentuckian, and I you know, I've fallen in with the the writers from here and they've kind of taken me as one of their own. But you you get you know, one of my good friends is Silas House and he writes some of the best books about Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh and his his way of writing about it is so different than my way of writing about it, and the way he writes about it is probably, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's, I mean, it's yeah, beautiful. He's... And I, let's say I, I want to sell my book. <laughs> he's better than me. Okay, I can. I can but that's own a pretty that. high bar. I yeah, mean, that's that's me. But but he couldn't write what I wrote. Even it's lesser. But he couldn't write it because his perspective's different. I could not in a million years, for a hundred reasons, write what he writes. Um, but I think it's interesting to see kind of every version as long as it's an accurate version every version of the state and or the, I should say the commonwealth yeah but anyway well um, we uh, whenever i see people use the word uh, appalachia um, it always cracks me up cuz i i told somebody here cuz they were i i i pronounce it wrong 
apparently, a, I don't know, mm-hmm. Appalachia, Appalachia, whichever way you're supposed to say it, I don't say it right. Throw an apple at you. Well, if, there you that, go. That's, that's the and training so somebody, device. Somebody said, they're like, well, you're from here. Aren't you supposed to know how to say that? And I'm like, we didn't, we never said that growing up. The only people mm-hmm. who said that were people who were studying us. Like, that was really it. Like, like growing up, you, you, you never said, like, oh, I'm from Appalachia. It's like, no, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I was um, taught the proper pronunciation very soon after I got here. And, you know, it's arguable that it's something else. And there's other areas of Appalachia where they say it a different way. So are they wrong if they live in Appalachia to say it the way they say it? I don't know that they are. All I know is that I conform to the local custom and I say it. I, I, I do as the locals. <laughs> that's my other thing. I'm like, well, I'm from here, so I feel like whatever, however I say it, I'm proud. You know, you get, I can you own get, it. You get a pass. So, but it just cracked me up. Like, yeah, we have, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people like to outside looking in try mm-hmm. to dissect everything so yeah if you've lived here as long as you have you are part of it so this is all a kind of a roundabout way of saying you've got all of this experience in courtroom owning businesses all this comes together uh, and kind of was this, is that what inspired you to, to write this book to a good degree yes um is this your first book Yes, this is my first published okay. book, and we can, say, we can talk about yeah, that. I was going to say, you know, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's like, yes, this is my first published book. It's not my first writing. You know, obviously, you've been writing for... I, I started, I started, well, I always wrote. I wrote from the time I was in elementary school. when I, I wasn't the best behaved student, and I didn't know, I made good, decent grades, but I was not always the most focused. My teachers would always go, Wes, it's creative writing day, because they knew that's the day <laughs> that's that when you I would turn tune on. in and, and do right. But I always wanted to write. I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I went to law school, ultimately. But even then, I knew that's what I wanted to do. The first novel I wrote, unpublished, I wrote between, at least I started it between my first and second year of law school. After classes were over, actually I was taking one class. I was working at Buffalo Wild Wings, taking one class and writing a novel on the side. That's what I did with that summer. But... uh that was like 23 or 24 years ago. I don't, I'm not that good on math, but close to that. This is the fourth novel that I've written, first one published. I started to go to the Appalachian Writers Workshop in 2011, and actually that's where, that's where I got to know. I, I read all of Silas's work, yeah. but that was the first time I met him. He was actually my teacher. I applied and tried to get into his class and did. And so... It was three years later. I went five years in a row. It was in 2014. That was the second to last time I went. And and I recommend to anyone who's interested in writing, whether you're from here or not, go. They, you know, it's for writing. It's it's in Appalachia, but it's not just about Appalachian writing. I was in a novel class with a novelist named Amy Green, and we were supposed to develop a novel concept and a protagonist. And I'd actually kind of been thinking about the fact that before we owned Apollo, you could buy marijuana there. It was not a huge secret. I, people would come and ask for a little something extra on the side of that kind of thing. The, 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 what I had always heard, and I'm not sure it was across the board, but one of the codes was the spinach special. If you ordered the spinach special <laughs> at Apollo, that was like a dime bag. And, you know, it's funny because I was in the legal system the Richmond police would talk about it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we know what they're up to. And, you know, they wouldn't really bother them unless they got out of line and they really didn't get out of line. So it wasn't a high-priority thing. But you could th- they were, that was going on there. I was good friends with the owner. 
We never discussed it. I didn't ask. He didn't say anything. I don't even know if it was him. It could have been employees. It could. I, he might have been aware. He might not have been aware. I don't know. I don't know. I truly don't. I don't want to know. It's fine. I was going to say, yeah, something that's just better off not knowing him. Yeah, we, I mean, I wasn't his lawyer, but, you know, we kept things sort of privileged and confidential between us when we would talk. We'd go out to lunch and talk about every other thing in the world. He would talk loudly about politics in restaurants, and I would always be like, <laughs> you just want to shrink down. A little quieter, bud. But anyway, um, I was at that workshop, and I thought, okay, I am going to create a character who is the owner of a pizza shop on South 2nd Street in Richmond, Kentucky. I didn't call it Apollo. I thought that was a little too close to home. It's actually called Porthos Pizza. All right. I've literally had, I think, two people who have seen Porthos Pizza and known, known who Porthos was. Like one of the three musketeers? You're the third. All right. Number three, <laughs> Victor Puente. You're a winner. Uh, and he's sort of the comic relief. He's kind of heavy set and a little bit silly. All the, all the Oliver Platt character. In exactly. <laughs> and that's that's to a great degree who I think of it. That, that, that right, shows awesome. when we came up is that he's Oliver Platt. But anyway, I started. I, I made a character named Knox Thompson. That was that was who I uh, kind of created in this uh, novel class. And I I really went really far out of my way to make sure it was not my friend. Yeah. I wanted to differentiate him a lot, so I didn't make him resemble him, really have his personality. I made him very different. And it started there. And we had to give it a title, and I slapped the first pizza title on it I could think of. This has had like six or seven titles. That was one of the hardest <laughs> yeah. things about it. I had it under contract. It was actually called Pie High when I got it under contract. My friend Robert my friend Robert Guype, who's another author, yeah. that was his title. I just couldn't come up with a title. The original working title was Slice. That is like the most obvious generic name for a pizza shop, anything. I think there's there's uh, like Chance the Rapper. That's what has there's a, a movie with Chance the Rapper yeah. that's called Slice. It yeah. wasn't like a sci-fi type thing. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I've heard about it. It's it's like a sci-fi slash pizza shop. I, I think, think Paul Shear's in it too. I, yeah, anyway. Slice was dying anyway. That that was the final nail. Was when I saw the Chance the Rapper thing. I was like, it's this. Been taken. I I I already felt like this is not the name I want to I want. But I I just left it on there for a while, and I actually would change it and come back, and I would give up. Um, this one that we landed on Hillbilly Hustle, I was I, I it came up where I do my best thinking. I was in the shower one day, and that name occurred to me. I'm not the first person to use it. Here's what's funny. There's there's like a rap song called that. And I didn't know that when I thought of it. But the, somehow I keep coming back to hip-hop culture yeah. when it comes to this book. And I saw a guy getting back to the court system stuff. About two or three months ago, I was in Rockcastle Circuit Court, and there was a guy on who was in some level of trouble. And he had what looked like a Harley Davidson tattoo on the side of his neck. And it was clearly a, a jailhouse tattoo. And... I looked a little closer and it didn't say Harley Davidson. So I kind of squinted my eyes and, and checked it out. And it said, Hillbilly Hustler. That was his neck tattoo. And I, I very, I very uh, surreptitiously got a photo of him. <laughs> and it's a full-length photo. And then I shrunk it down. The, 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 the iPhone's uh, 
uh, clarity, whatever you call it, is really good because I shrunk it down so you can't see who it is, but you can just see the tattoo. That is a very treasured picture for me. But the Hillbilly Hustlers out there, it's out there as a, as a name, but I settled on it in part. Well, one of the things is as soon as I got out of the shower, I texted my editor. I was like, I have a name. I don't know what you're going to think. And she texted back almost immediately, I like this name. Let me check with the director. And about two days later, they're like, we want to go with this name. This is a, it's marketable. It's catchy. It'll look good on the cover of a book. One of the things, you know, there used to be a stigma about the word hillbilly, and that's that's kind of become an old way of thinking now. Because I'll say growing up, we described ourselves as hillbillies. Right. I and mean, that's the, like, my uncles be like, oh, yeah, we're a bunch of hillbillies. The young, 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 younger people are way more likely to see that in a positive light and take it positively, and that, that that's how I intended it. And kind of the hustle part. I don't want to sit here and bag on hillbillyology. I'm not a fan. I know some people like it. I'm not going to get into some big debate about the merits or the, the what's wrong with it. But somewhat an answer to that as well, because pretty much everyone I know from Central and but particularly Eastern Kentucky, Appalachian Kentucky, they hustle their butts yeah. off. They bust ass. I do not understand. You don't. And the uh, one thing you don't understand, unless you know poor people in Eastern mm-hmm. Kentucky, you don't understand how hard they work. Oh gosh, the, the 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 amount of people who have three side hustles who are who are just doing everything they can to make it. The the broader country in the world focuses on this this percentage of Kentucky who maybe don't do that. That's everywhere. As we talked about, I grew up in Michigan. It's no different there. And the towns are no different there. And the people in some ways are no different there. There's there's these different sort of stratas of people who do who who act different ways. For some reason there's this insistence on focusing on folks in Kentucky who maybe aren't doing well. There's so many people who are doing absolutely the best they can. And they are working so hard to do it. And so that's what I kind of want to focus on. And I, the cover design was done by Than Saffel. I, I hope I'm saying his name right. He's the in-house designer for West Virginia University Press. I loved his cover design. It literally, it has swagger. That's what I it wanted. Pops. Yeah. It, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's been really fun. We've done like T-shirts and stickers and stuff. If it were a different cover, I'm not sure that would have happened. But it's got. It's, I can see that just being a cool T-shirt too. Yeah, they just said hillbilly hustle. Those came in yesterday. I almost wore it here this morning, <laughs> and then I was like, "Ah, you're not supposed to really wear the T-shirt to the we'll concert." We'll talk about your T-shirt. You are wearing in a second because I'm a fan of that too. Okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, so tell us about the general premise of, of, of hillbilly hustle. Obviously, you've got your main character, this pizza shop owner. Mm-hmm. Knox Thompson is the main character. Knox is a poker player. One of the reasons he's a poker player is because I'm a poker player. And one of the threads that goes through this, I use things that I was that with which I was familiar. Right about what you know, because you know you're going yeah. to get it right. Yeah. So I used to play in every backroom game in Madison, Fayette, every county around. There was one up behind Su- uh, Sunny's Barbecue. Was that the one? Yeah, up been there. there. I've, 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 I've played in that one once. I've played in a bunch. Well, I played in one in Big Hill pretty often uh, that a buddy of mine ran. And I was down there and... There was a fella from Jackson County who kind of focused in on me and was like, you should come to our game over the um, pool hall in McKee. And he's giving me all the details and telling me all this stuff. I was like, okay, and I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking it down and remembering the date. The game breaks up, and my buddy who ran the game in Big Hill, who's 
it was a perfectly on the level legal yeah. game. Um, and he's actually a he's a professional. He approaches me afterward and he said, "Do not go to that game in McKee." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Either you're going to get cheated at that game, or if you win, you're going to get robbed." He's like, "I can about bet you." He's like, "That is not an on the level game. Do not go." I didn't go. I never went. But what I didn't. If, what if you had? What if I had? Knox Thompson goes to that game, and Hillbilly Hustle kicks off with Knox Con- Thompson walking into the game, and I put it over the arcade. The the I, I tried to be really pretty accurate. Other than Porthos Pizza, all of the sites for the most part are actual places in Central Kentucky. A lot of the places in downtown Richmond are mentioned. There's scenes in, in some of the Babylon Euros, Purdy's Coffee. They talk about going to the Paddy Wagon, the Frostyette, which is like near oh, Sand Gap in Jackson yeah. County. I love the Frostyette. <laughs> I cannot come and go from that from from McKee without stopping. Most of it is accurate. I put it over the arcade rather than the pool hall. I don't know if there's much of a difference. Just out of respect. Yeah, and and quite frankly, um, I love Jackson County. I like going to Jackson County. But there's some more nefarious things that happen there. Jackson is one place where I took some liberties with uh, – Jackson County is one of the places where I did take a few liberties and fictionalize a little bit more because I don't want it ever to seem like I'm pointing a finger at anyone specific about anything that's going on. This 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 book is pure fiction. It has a basis in reality, but it, there's nothing true in it. None of the named characters are real people, not one of them. I drew from a lot of people I knew and took char- characteristics of a lot of people I knew, but you cannot find a real person in it except some of the employees of the local businesses in Richmond who are not named pass yeah. through scenes and different things. There's a couple of Easter eggs for people from around here who will go, hey, I know who that is. But the named characters are 100% fictional. The the Everything that happens in the book is none of it really happened. Awesome. And so if somebody wants to check this out, I guess you all are doing a couple different release type things. Well, tonight, I, I don't know when this podcast goes up, but tonight we are at both Country Boy Breweries. When we took over at Apollo in 2012, Country Boy was about six months old. And we kind of came in together. We started selling craft beer at Apollo, which was not something that Apollo was known for. DH has been on here a few times with yeah. us. Oh Yeah, DH is a good friend. Nate Coppage is a good friend. Uh, Evan Coppage is a good friend. And uh, Ev- or, uh, Nate and I were actually conceived of this idea of doing a beer. And it was, it was really funny because I have a buddy named David Joy who lives in western North Carolina. He had a um, his debut novel called Where All Light Tends to Go. Great book, by the way. Innovation Brewing in Silva, North Carolina, brewed a beer for that. And I, you know, I'm pretty tied into the local craft beer scene, yeah. and particularly Country Boy. And I'm friends with the folks at the other breweries too, but I kind of socially run around with the guys from Country Boy. Nate said, look, I'll brew that beer. I want to do it. I need to read the book first. I have to know. <laughs> I have to be inspired yes, by this I book. have to All know right. my inspiration uh, for, for, for brewing this beer. So he read it, and we put our heads together. And we, we, we Nate and I have a tendency to have these phone calls that go on way too long because we both love to talk. We both are big talkers. And uh, he said, you know, we could always do like a hemp beer, but what do you think about that? I said, 
I don't want to do that. He said, I don't want to do it either, but I thought I should put it out there. We talked about doing maybe like a smoked beer to make it like a pizza beer. And we were both like, yeah. no, no, we weird. don't want to do it. Yeah. And he had an idea that I thought was really pretty genius. And, it, and it, it opened the door to a lot more options. He said, what about a beer where if you were smoking pot and eating pizza, this is the beer you would want to drink? And I was like, that's perfect, because we can <laughs> brew literally <laughs> anything at this point. Because what beer you know, don't you want to drink? I did take it pretty seriously, though. I went and asked some questions of friends of mine who are knowledgeable about like Appalachian food and Southern Foodways with like the Southern Foodways Alliance. And we started talking about flavor combinations that were used around here and have been. And citrus fruits used to come for, for, have come into the region for a very long time. And one of the things that was common, uh, at least fairly common, is you would use lemon and blackberry together. It was a good flavor combination. And so I proposed that to Nate, and he started talking about flavor profiles and the bitterness at the end and all this stuff that went over my head. Like I just want to taste good. <laughs> yeah, but the end result, the end conclusion was like that'll make a really good beer. So Hillbilly Hustle Lager is a lemon blackberry lager. Sounds awesome. It is lemon on the front and blackberry on the back. It's not overpowering. It's it's oddly creamy, right. which I'm told has something to do with they use the citrus peels and you wouldn't think it, but it makes beer creamy. There's this creamy lemon front end and then the blackberry sort of washes over your tongue. It's really good. So you can read the book. You can drink the beer. You can. You can kind of live the experience. Oh, yeah. You, you can. And, and I will say the other person on the brewing team was Stephanie Miracle. Stephanie is the only female brewer that we're aware of in Lexington. I think there's one other in central Kentucky, but it's kind of fun. I went to the brewery, and they did all the real work and, and are responsible for the flavor. You kind of taste a little bit here and there. Yeah, and I, you know, like I... I cleaned out the mash thing and blah 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 the not the but the i i i did some grunt work just to say i was involved in no way does the finished product have anything to do with my abilities i've homebrewed and i was you know somewhat so-so at it the pros did this beer so awesome so you all uh we got the the beer events coincide with the book, and then if you, if you want to pick up a copy, oh, sorry, I was going to say. Oh, we're in we're in Georgetown at six. We're okay. in Lexington at eight, and then on Saturday we have another beer event at Joseph Beth. Okay. Silas House and I are in conversation at six o'clock, and they have Bronte Bistro, and Bronte Bistro will have Hillbilly Hustle Lager. We also have custom glassware. It's got the Hillbilly Hustle cover logo on it, and then on the backside it has an Apollo logo. And it has a um, country boy country logo. Boy logo. Those, those come with the beer so you can score a glass. And we're doing a bunch of events with beer. We're going to Wrigley Tap Room. We're going to Moorhead to Coffee Tree Books and uh, Sawstone Brewing there. We're going to a better brewing in, in Winchester. I'm forgetting a bunch. There, I, my website is wesleybrown.com. Brown has an E on the end. Or just Google my name and Hillbilly Hustle is probably the easier way to get there. They're all on there, but we have a bunch of beer and pizza events. We're going to Saints in Louisville. Sweet. We're teaming up with Carmichael's books there. And there's other authors appearing in it. We're just doing a bunch of stuff. So anyway, we're tying in, though, Hillbilly Hustle Lager at as many of these as we can. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. So even if you're not a big fan of books, you might be a fan of beer. <laughs> and that'll lead you to the book. It, 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 hey, we've got T-shirts. If you don't even if you don't want to read the book, just get a T-shirt, man. We're, we're cool with that. <laughs> Although awesome. we, would, we, the one thing I will say is a lot of people who don't typically aren't regular readers 
are reading it and are coming back and saying, okay, that was good for me. And that was part of what I was going for. I wanted a book that was really fast paced and easy and fun. That seems to be the reaction we're getting is that this is a fun, it's, it's, it's a lark. Uh, Publishers Weekly called it wry and thrilling. All right, nice. Kirkus, Kirkus Reviews called it a top-notch debut and talked about the voices and stuff. It's gotten all positive feedback, and it's very, very readable. People are reading it in a day or two. As we say, I guess that's one of the, the good things is that it, it's, you know, um, something that somebody can pick up, yeah, have it, have it done in a couple of days and just enjoy the experience. Yeah, it, it, I had a lot of help Um this was a very much a collaboration. West Virginia University Press, you have to go through peer review. I had peer reviewers. I had a lot of friends. This is, in the end, my name's on it. But there's a, the reason it turned out well is not all me by any stretch. There's a ton of people. Which is the case for a lot of big projects that uh, end, up, end up well. All right. Well, oh, before we go. Yeah, yeah. Yes, your shirt. Yes. Um, I have told so many people to watch Later Kenny. And there's actually a <laughs> legion of us here who are, who are all kind of, they'll see me watching. They'll ask what episode we're on. Um, I, I guess uh, did that? Did you just randomly stumble upon it, or did somebody force it upon you as well? Because that's what happened to me. Somebody was like, you, "No, no, no, you need to watch this." I heard enough people talk about it that finally I broke down. My Robert guy was one of the people who told me about it. My friend, my friends, Carrie Mullins and Bobby Ambergy, who Carrie's a author as well, and Bobby's another attorney. We go to court together all the time. They were on me about it. But it was on Hulu, and yeah. I didn't have Hulu. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then my son is a freshman at UK uh, named Barrett, and Barrett got the student Hulu account, and he was home for the weekend one weekend, and he put his Hulu account on the home TV. That's what's all there. And Letterkenny popped up. I could not stop watching it. And my wife at first was like, what is this? And would kind of come and go. And then like the third episode, no, Third episode's fart book. That is their. That is that's, not their that's, finest that's moment. A, that's that's a like rough the one. worst episode. That's the one that I think my wife started checking out on. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, yeah. So somewhere in there, she watched a full episode and she's like, all right, we're gonna have to go back to the beginning. And we binged it so hard. And it it is the coronavirus of shows because it spreads. <laughs> it to, if, you, if one person gets infected with Letterkenny, the next thing you know, everyone they know is on Letterkenny. We literally, Logan, Logan Miller is a friend who does Giant Robot. It's a t-shirt company. He's actually working on a t-shirt for Hillbilly Hustle right now, a different one. It's por- He's doing the Porthos Pizza right, Staff nice. t-shirt. When we see he and his wife, Amanda, all we do is talk quotes. about Letterkenny, and we literally have to go, okay, we have to break this up. This is getting stupid. We are adults. There's other <laughs> topics to discuss. Besides just Letterkenny. Going, to be fair. Over to and over be fair. Over, yes. yeah. All right, nice. Well, there you go. So um, if you don't trust my opinion, take it from Mr. Brown, Letterkenny. Good stuff. Go out, get his book, drink the beer, um, live the lifestyle, try to stay out of the courtroom. Please. (laughs) Well, stay out of the courtroom. But if you go, call Brown Law Office. (laughs) As we say, did something stupid, do something smart. Call Brown Law Office. Possibly one of the best uh, slogans ever. All right, thanks. Thank you. Well, there we go. Always excited to hear about Kentucky people doing cool things. Um, as for our favorite things this week, I was texting with Andrea. She does have one she wants me to share, and that is bus drivers in Jessamine County who are organizing a donation drive for flood victims. Um, and so that's going to be something that I guess people can give to their um, bus drivers. They'll be collecting them. Then all of that, they plan to load up into the bus. And then, uh, let's see, okay, they can bring them in person to the transportation department in Nicholasville. And they can also uh, send them with their student on the bus. 
So that is pretty cool. A lot of um, it's pretty severe flooding in certain parts of Kentucky. You may not um, have seen a lot of it where you lived. It, it turned out, you know, for a lot of us, we didn't realize how bad it was down there until you just see the video. So, um, yeah, that's what she's got going on. My favorite thing this week, um, I haven't had a lot going on, but I did get to play a good version of a board game that I enjoy called Clank. There's a version that involves a pyramid and a mummy. You turn the board sideways, and my wife and I have been playing that some at night when the little girl goes to bed. So, um, you know, some time to spin together instead of just vegging out in in front of the TV, which we still do that some. Uh, but at least this gives us an opportunity to get angry at each other uh, when one of us makes a move <laughs> the other doesn't like. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, I hope you all have a good day. Uh, go out, check out Hillbilly Hustle, and, um, you know, remember to be kind to each other. Bye.